the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. There is nobody better to talk to about the Cardinals offseason, in my opinion, than Derek Gould. He's a Cardinals beat writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. You can follow him on Twitter, as I'm sure most, if not all of you already are, at D Gould. He joins us now via the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Derek, we sincerely appreciate the time. I know this is a busy time with the awards being announced this week. How are you doing today? I'm all right, yeah. The last day of it with the MVP award uh, going out tonight and, uh, you know, the They'll announce who, uh, who won it with two Cardinals as finalists. So um, it'll be interesting. I think a lot of the attention will be obviously on the American League side with Judge and Atani. But yeah, it's good. It's a good time of year. It's you know setting up for some of the riders' dinners and riders' events for the off-season hot stove, and obviously a lot of phone calls to make and people to catch up with um, for how they're building the Cardinals team for 2023. I don't know if this is the award you vote on, Derek, so if you can't mention who who you would vote for, let us know that. But do you think it will and should be Goldie in your mind? I cannot tell you because okay. the MVP is the ballot that I've – yeah, it's good of you to know that. No, the, yeah, the MVP, um, the St. Louis has two MVP votes, um, and I have one of them. Okay. Yeah, I've had one of them for – for a while now, actually, I think I think about last the last ten years or so. So, yeah, good year to have it here in St. Louis. You got a couple of uh, good candidates that you got to watch on a day to day basis. We'll be curious to see what ends up coming out of that tonight. Uh, Derek, you had a great piece last week now, about a week ago, on the Cardinals' payroll, and it's mm-hmm. called a payroll primer, exploring the questions, complexities of Cardinals spending for twenty twenty three. If any of our listeners have not read this piece, I think it's almost required reading going into the offseason because it does a great job of explaining where the Cardinals payroll is right now, why it is that way, and how complex, even compared to some other teams, their current payroll situation is. I want to start with this with you, Derek. Mm -hmm. Based on the Arenado deal and the um, Wayno deal as well, how tough in your mind is it for the Cardinals to be able to go into the offseason and expect to sign a big money catcher because of what they then have left based on their own current budget in your mind? Well, I mean, one thing is the, to draw a distinction between like the target and a budget, right? Sure. Like they see themselves spending in this range, say between 180 and 185. That doesn't mean that's where they'll land. They can go above it as they have before. Um, you know, if they find the deal is right and this is the moment to stretch, or they can go below it, which they've also done before, when they don't make the move that they want. They don't make the same move that they were braced for, um, or they don't get the free agent that they thought they were going to get. So um, there is a range there. Where they, where they expect to spend 
and where they ultimately end up spending, those can be different things um, based on the opportunities that they have. So, yeah, I mean, you could see them going out and spending on a catcher. But let's be blunt. There really is only one catcher in that upper registry of cost, right? I mean, if you're talking about like that 18 to 25 range, AAV, annual average value, I mean, you're talking about one guy in this marketplace. The other players are going to come in less than that. They just have in their careers. How much less? Not quite sure. Um, but they're more defense-oriented. Some are above average offensively. Um, some are, you know, just uh, they're just not coming off of salaries that would set the scale that high, um, especially in a game that really pays for power. It, it really pays for damage these days. Um, and then the other options are trades where you have qual- salary control. So you could see, I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to kind of pinch your eyes and look into the distance to see how the Cardinals could add a catcher and fit some kind of addition offensively and still be within that target range compared to where they are now that you, it is possible, especially, um, you know, as they kind of move things around or, or they pull off a trade, where they have some cost control. Derek, I, I always go back to the press conference with John Mosaic and when he listed the three things that they were focusing on this offseason, and he said, we obviously have to address our catching position, augment the yeah. offense, and then you can never have enough pitching. And I think a lot of Cardinals fans focus in on that phrase, augment the offense. When you heard that, what was your impressions of what they do in the offseason? And do you feel like that has changed since he made those comments? No, I mean, to your last part there, no. I, you know, I, I, I get the sense that, you know, and this is, is probably just something that's going to happen every year, and you guys could probably speak to this a little bit better than I am. But, like, I get the sense that um, a lot of fans want the free agent period to speed up like it does with other sports, mm-hmm. right? Like, like they want an NFL-style free agency to, um, to baseball, or they want an NBA-style free agency. Um, baseball is different and it's geared differently on purpose. Um, we can debate that at some point in time, but it is, it is for a longer stretch of time and not like the immediate sort of pre-agent signings. That's partially because there's not a salary cap, right? So it is a market where, you know, you can try to push it farther and higher and, you know, make it better for the guy who comes after you in a way. Um, and agents will want to exhort, um, you know, the urgency of teams later to increase the price that their players can get. You know, this is all kind of the marketplace that takes a little bit of time to develop. And then there are some real influences like the roster decisions that have to be made, 40-man decisions, 60-day injured list, guys coming off of that, um, the Rule 5 stuff. Uh, tomorrow is the non-tender deadline, which they've moved up so that those players can become free agents earlier and don't go to Thanksgiving not knowing what their situation is. So those things do play a part in influencing the baseball marketplace in ways the other sports don't. So, like, to your point, there's not much that has changed. Um, What they mean when they augment the offense, it's a great question. Um, When he elaborated on it in future conversations or that day or interviews that he's had elsewhere, uh, Mosellock has talked about finding protection for um, Arnado and Goldschmidt, the two gentlemen who are finalists for the MVP award tonight, adding somebody there. And the, the kind of the 
the indication there is that you would find somebody who would take Pujols' spot and provide Pujols' production. Um, that gives another kind of damage power element in the middle of the lineup and then allows for the depth to kind of generate from there. There's another route that they could go, which is putting somebody with a high OBP ahead of those two. They think they have those ingredients in Newt Bar and Donovan, but they could always increase that, you know, and get a leadoff hitter who sort of is a preemptive bit of defense, um, a preemptive augmentation, if you will, to use that word, for the guys behind them. You know, a left-handed bat would be really appealing for this team. Left-handed power is what plays in the postseason. We see that. Left-handed power is what plays against hard right-handed elite starting pitchers. Who did the Cardinals have problems with this past season? Right-handed elite starting pitchers. Who beat them in the playoffs? Back-to-back standout right-handed pitchers. Some kind of left-handed deterrent or change to that middle of the order makes a lot of sense for this team. Derek, it's interesting. We're talking with Derek Gould, Cardinals beat writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch here on 101 ESPN. When you say they, they want to add protection like what they had last year with Albert Pujols, I think a lot of our listeners, and I'm sure that you've seen this in your chats as well or on Twitter, they go to the Pujols baseball reference page and say, Derek, that was a 900 OPS with a 155 yeah. OPS plus. Like, Where are you finding that in this market unless you end up going to one of those shortstops or like Aaron Judge? Those are the only players that really provide that kind of protection do you think it's more likely that they look at it in like the old money ball sense of the aggregate where they're saying okay but we're upgrading at catcher and that's going to be instead of 30 percent below league average maybe 15 to 20 percent above league average offensively this year and then we can yeah. also add a really solid left-handed bat i don't know who the favorite of that guy would be maybe it's a conforto or gallo brantley somebody in that realm one of those lefties and then that ends up in the aggregate making up that offense is that kind of what your read is yeah i think that's always how they look at it um you know is increasing the overall kind of thump um, production of the offense so that it's not on one person. But, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be, I mean, just to be candid, I mean, you know, if we're talking OPS, 850 left-handed OPS changes the dynamic of this lineup quite a bit. I mean, just that from the left side, because if you know that's what you're going to get, then anything you get beyond, like say, you know, you don't ask like Goldschmidt to repeat what he had, but say he's, the Goldschmidt that he's always been and Arenado is in the peak of his career and he maintains who he's been. And then you add in this other like left-handed bat that you know, you're going to get this amount from, well, then everything around it becomes bonus. Everything, you know, uh, the depth, what they get from Lars Newbar, if he grows and, and emerges um, and builds on his strong second half, that's a bonus. And what it does is it changes the lineup for one that is difficult to contend with to one that is impossible to stop. And that's where they need to get some kind of more certainty in there. So it's not necessarily like mirroring, literally mirroring Albert Pujols' production, just put it on the left side. It can be less than that for the reason that you described, the aggregate boost, but also the notion that like just having that as a guarantee, um, somebody who is in there as a, like a known quantity just allows the rest of the lineup to thrive and put it over the edge as opposed to carry it. From your, 
estimation, Derek, how impactful do the Cardinals feel that Jordan Walker is going to be at the start of the season? Or do you feel like it's going to be more in the middle of the season? Uh, I think the the avenue is there for him to hit his way into being part of their opening day plans. Um, I don't think this is a, a thing where he needs to get his passport ready to join them in London. It could be hmm. sooner. Um you know, it's a lot of it's going to depend on what he does in spring training. A lot is going to depend on where they are with their roster and what they've done um, around Valentine's Day. Um, but he's going to come to spring training having positioned himself with a strong double A season, a strong uh, Arizona Fall League season, assertive Arizona Fall League, I think is the way to describe it, and the improved, you know, play and proof that he's given about handling the outfield to put himself in the mix. He's going to need a long look. I mean, you know, there's going to be playing time available, lots of it for him and a few other folks, and they're just going to see how long it goes. I mean, I'm, I'm going to tread lightly here, but, you know, in working on the story about Albert Pools, I heard a lot about his spring training in 2001. I was not on the beat then. I was in Colorado at the time. Um, I remember it from afar, like this this sensation. Um, but internally, what they described was, okay, let's throw something new at him and see if he sticks around for a week. And every Sunday, they would kind of meet for the roster and say, all right, well, let's throw this at him and see if he sticks around. And everything they threw at him, he just hit and hit. I mean, he played shortstop one day, hit. He played left field one day, hit. You know, he just hit and hit and hit. And by the end of the spring, they meet on a Sunday, and it's like, we can't send this guy out. You know, and it, I imagine the same conversation will take place this year with Jordan Walker. Like, and they don't do it necessarily as <laughs> on a Sunday now, um, but, you know, throughout spring when they go, okay, well, what's our roster look like? Okay, who do we want to see more of? Who do we want to send back to minor league camp so they can continue playing there? You know, if Jordan Walker makes that, he can make that decision for them by producing. And they will say, well, he's still here. Well, he's still here. And then all of a sudden, you know, the flight is leaving for St. Louis to go face the Toronto Blue Jays. And it's like, well, he, he's still here. Let's see what happens. When you look at that outfield mix, if he ends up being in it, and that's a big if, Derek, but just throwing that out there yeah. as the hypothetical scenario, I, I mean, it's a lot of guys that they have to sort through now. I mean, what Nolan Gorman is somewhere in this mix, whether it's DH, second base, wherever you think he ends up getting his playing time next year. Carlson, O'Neill, Burleson, Donovan, Yepes, Newtbar. It, it's a lot of guys for a certain amount of playing time. Do you think that they... I'm trying to think of the best way to ask this, but do you think that all of those guys can be on the roster yeah. and fit into this mix? Yeah, I mean, what are you what are you talking about? Like, uh, you know, twenty four hundred plate appearances on the low end to fit all those guys? Absolutely. I mean, you got three spots in the outfield and the DH, and the way they work matchups, the way they rotate guys in, some of the complementary players there. I mean, the one thing that stands out to me is who's your center fielder, because it seems like that guy's going to play a lot. So who who's going to be the center fielder? Probably um, one of Carlson or Newbar, right? In right, that scenario, that's, yeah. Unless they think that Tyler O'Neill is going to give it a run after the off season that he has, where it's really focused on you know running and plyometrics and and kind of um, flexibility and durability and and things that go into like the demands of being 
in a in a speed position, if you will. Um, you know, trying to work on those kind of things. I know he's really excited about his training regimen this this off season and what it will do to, to for his body um, and what it will do for his role. So I don't I don't know yet. Does he factor into that? We'll we'll find out. But you're right. I mean, it's Carlson and Newbar, and you could see how there could be significant competition, you know, for that spot because that's where the playing time is probably most certain. And then they got these other compliment play complimentary players that, you know, can kind of fit around, right? I mean, you got a lefty and a righty that you both mentioned. Um, actually, a couple left-handed bats that you both mentioned, and some right-handed bats who, you know, aren't going to play every day, but will play plenty of days. I, I think I think you can carve it up just right. I mean, I think you're going to. To be honest, I think you're going to run out of a roster spot before you run out of playing time. Sure. And that gets back into the left-handed hitter conversation that we were just having. Do, yeah. you, do you think it's most likely to be an outfielder, or is this a situation where it, it could be a similar roster spot to what Albert Pujols had last year, where maybe it's an infielder that ends up getting some time at DH as well? Yeah, I asked Mosaic that question exactly last week in Las Vegas and said if they'd like to have a little bit more versatility to that position than just like he plays first base or he plays DH like it developed with Albert Pujols. Um, and he, you know, he, he, he said that that would be preferable. They could go that same route um, because of Donovan's versatility and some of these other guys were still here, right? Like, so they have a third baseman if Arenado is the DH. But if they can find somebody like that, the, the, the most direct route to go is somebody who plays outfield and first base. And they realize that, you know, and they have, like I said, Donovan who can play third. Um, yep. As they, they did put it third at sometimes, and they could do that. Um, you know, you, you have, you have options elsewhere where you could really just zero in and focus on the bat wish list, more versatility, reality, zero in on the bat and, and then find a way to make the roster move around it. Make, make the bat good enough that you want to flex the roster around it. And Derek, this gets us back to like the big question, um, kind of the equilibrium of the off season is the shortstop mm-hmm. market where everybody's got their attention focused. And we're talking to yeah. Derek Gould, the Cardinals beat writer for the St. Louis post dispatch. We've got about three minutes left here, Derek, but I did want to ask you about that market because like I understand not going to the nine-year deal on Trey Turner or Carlos Correa, although I would do it for Correa. But I, I get it if they don't if they're if they don't have the appetite Wait, you'd for do it, it for Correa, but not Turner. I personally would. Yeah, I I, I have a little wow. bit of worries about Turner long term with being a speed guy. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I get it. Like his game is unbelievable to watch, and he's a fantastic player. With yeah. that second tier in the shortstop market, looking at a guy like Bogarts or Swanson, especially Bogarts where you know there is the bat, and later on for this team, you got Mason Wynn coming up, so if he can't stay long-term at shortstop, maybe it's not the worst <laughs> thing in the world. Do you right. think there is an interest level there from the Cardinals, or do you think there should be an interest level on a player like a Bogarts or a Swanson? Those are way different questions. Sure. Um, should Should goes back a year. When you're in a spot, when you're talking about a position that can play so many places and you talk about where Turner's going to age as a speed guy, I mean, he can, he can age to other positions, um, maybe even more positions than anyone else on that list um, because he's going to provide offensively in a way that fits a lot of different positions, if that makes sense, right? Like some of these shortstops that are in the market, they're above average and great offensive players for shortstop. They move to third base. All of a sudden, not so much. They're playing first base, definitely not that much. 
move to a corner outfield spot. And it's like, well, they want some more, but if that makes sense. So yeah. I mean, whereas Turner, you can see where he could still age into premium spots where his offense is still would still stand out. Um, I think when you, so the, the answer, so the question is, should they, the Cardinals, if they go this off season without signing a shortstop, will have passed over two of the best free agent markets at the most versatile position at a position that would have changed them offensively twice over. So last year's shortstop group was amazing. Lots of talent. This year's shortstop group, Scott Boris called it generational. He's not wrong. That's two years in a row where those type of players who can move around, who can play a lot of positions, who have proven to be valuable um, and would offer offensive upside where they've passed on them. And so the answer to should is, yeah, Will is really, I mean, they, they've really shied away from doing that. Um, you know, the opportunity's been there. Um, we could probably, they would probably debate that they're not in a spot to capitalize in part because they had Nolan Arenado there. And I don't think anybody would fault them if they were like, you know what, we could make a big play for a shortstop in these two years, or we could have Nolan Arenado. And if that's the calculus that they're doing, you know, you, you, you understand why, okay, they got Nolan Arenado, one of the best all-around players in the National League, and maybe the best third baseman many of us will ever see in person. You get that. Um, but they, that they have passed over and this year, again, to your point, I mean, they're just kind of, uh, lurking on the, on the edges. Um, they want to see where things go. Do they expect to make a play for one of the headliners? Not according to folks who observe them and talk to them and know them, not that I've talked to. Um, but do they want to see where that middle part is? If there's some kind of deal that they can swoop in on, you know, they're not going to ignore it. Um, but I do think, you know, to the point, it could go two years in a row where that position is available, that position is versatile, and that position is not one that they move on. Derek, it's been awesome to be able to catch up with you. I could talk ball with you all day long. We got to get out of here, but thank you so much for the time. We wish you all the best. Enjoy yourself tonight with the MVP announcement, and hopefully we'll talk with you again soon. All right, sounds good, guys. Thank you. You got sounds it. It's Derek Gould. Thank you very much.